right. Well, welcome to another episode of the It's Mimic podcast, where I, Megan, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies to dig up the dirt on the undead in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I've resurrected Casey and Pepperina as we can sink our teeth into this episode called What's in Your Head? In Your Head. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my computer asked if I was playing music. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed 100%. it. <laughs> this episode on It's a Mimic Channel is bursting at the scenes with lore and special mechanical details about some of the most grotesque undead out there zombies. So reload your shotgun and dim the lights as we summon forth details, opinions, and inspirations about these undead horrors. I know that there have already been three episodes on zombies in the standard podcast, episode 36, 109, and 110, but I'm glad that we are finally getting a chance to get into them. We're not going to get into all the different kinds in that episode, but before we rip into the meat of this topic, I thought I should break down the basic zombie so we have some context. You absolutely should. What is a zombie? (laughs) What is a zombie? Um, These can be found in the monster manual. Um, Way, way, way in the back because it's alphabetical. (laughs) Um, Getting into the lore of the base zombies, there are four standard features. Dark Servant, uh, D&D zombies are created from necromatic magic, making them servants to whomever resurrects them. The zombie has no memories of its old life and has no real thoughts or imagination. If they are left without an order from their master, they will simply stand in place, only attacking whatever wanders in their area. Their second feature is hideous forms. Zombies typically appear as they did in life, just grosser. The rot and decay take a bit of time to really set in. But if your zombies have just arisen, you can still get pretty creative with how they look. A soldier fallen on the battlefield with their intestines trailing behind them, a corpse lost at sea, bloated and ready to pop, a corpse crawling from its grave covered in maggots and dirt. You can really get gross, my friends. Then we have mindless soldiers having no thoughts or imagination of their own. These zombies will take the most direct route to their target unless told to specifically avoid something. They will walk off a cliff into a pool of lava or into a river. They see no danger in front of them, only their targets. Zombies given a weapon will use it, but if dropped, they won't think to pick it back up. And last, we have Undead Nature, which I think we're going to see in most of these episodes, where they don't require air, food, drink, or sleep. Yeah, that tends to just be like a common undead theme, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> We don't need to eat, we just want to eat. It's like we the whole just, concept of like, I don't yeah. need you in my life, but I want you in my life, you yeah. know? Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? So that's a very romantic way of looking at zombies. <laughs> They don't need our brains. They just want them. (laughs) I mean, it is February. It is the month of love. It is the month of love. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Looking at their stats, they're all very low. Um, The only things without negative modifiers are strength and con. They do have dark vision for 60 feet. So no matter what they were in life, um, humans finally will have dark vision if they're a zombie. So yay for them. Um, (laughs) They are immune. Congratulations, humans. Um, They are immune to both the damage and condition of poison. Their CR is only a quarter. 
They have undead fortitude, which allows them to make a con save when they are dropped to zero HP, unless the damage was radiant or a crit. On a success, they rise back up to one HP. Their attack is one slam attack, which does 1d6 plus one bludgeoning. And that's uh, that's our base zombies. How very cute of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're <All right>. adorable. <laughs> I know. Right, like I just feel like I've played in at least two or three campaigns in my life that have had zombies in them, like oh, in yeah. one way or another, right? Like mm-hmm. they just undead are just so common within the D and D realm. So, yes. um, but yeah, so like when thinking about zombies today, before we get into a couple of the more detailed versions of zombies, which we normally do in these kinds of episodes, uh, just some generalized questions for you, ladies. Um, okay. Let's roll dice. Actually, let's roll. raise some dice. Raise some dice to the undead. <laughs> Oh God! I forgot mine over here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we had all this setup time. <laughs> what is it? Your first day? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I just keep a bag of dice in my book bag now, so that wherever I'm at, I've got them. Yeah, <laughs> that is wise. Because right. I I definitely forgot them in a couple of episodes. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. No, I hear you. Um, I got a seventeen. Casey? Seven. Seven. I got a ten. So Peps, you're up first. So D and D zombies are different from like other conventional zombies, or what you say, like regular lore. Do we mm-hmm. feel that we prefer magical zombies like this, or do we prefer the plague zombies like we see in most media right now? Hmm. Magic or disease? Where are we at? Magic or disease? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I prefer the disease, but I think that's just what we know. Like that's our regular idea of zombies. So yeah, and I think it adds a sense of realism to it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the magicalness is nice, where it's kind of just yeah. like you can magic away anything if you want to, just to make it work. But I find that if you find an actual genetic way that something actually occurs and makes it more real to the humans, mm-hmm. uh, makes it that much more frightening. You know what I mean? But what do you think, yeah. Casey? I like the plague. I like I'm I'm very science minded, so I am horrified and intrigued by the idea of all of the disease and plague and fungus and virus and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like- it feels like it's harder to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you have to use like your big brain mind to make it happen. And all they yeah. want to do is eat your brain mind, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not hungry. They're not. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Are they you guys want watching? it. They want. They don't need it. They want it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen those TikTok audios where it's like, um, if you've kidnapped like a, a people pleaser and they're like sitting in the back of the car, they're just like, "Sorry, did you want me to move? Do you want me to put my seatbelt on? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, did you kick me because you like me? Like, be honest. Be honest. Like, just. <laughs> fucking love those <laughs> uh, anyways all right what do you guys find more horrifying fast zombies or slow zombies Pepsi you first oh yeah um uh, i mean horrifying probably fast zombies but i do prefer slow zombies yeah <laughs> i don't know my preference is slow <laughs> my preference is slow i yeah. like it slow what can i say fair enough Pepsi. <laughs> oh my god um <laughs> For me, like, I, I have a, the ingrained fear of being chased. Uh-huh. And I think that's just, like, from having siblings growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. You get chased everywhere. And so now as an adult, if someone is walking slightly too close behind me or, like, walking slightly faster than I am, like, my internal body just, like, shrinks up into, like, a <laughs> tiny little, like, I don't know. It just it, it hurts my soul when I'm being chased. So fast mm-hmm. zombies scare me the most because I know I'm not that fast. Yeah. Like, my legs are built for strength and lifting. 
not for moving <laughs> not for my speed. body at fast speeds. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I can squat for days, but if you make me run on a treadmill, I'll punch you in the face. Same. Um, so I feel like I am I am more horrified of fast zombies, but like mm-hmm. I do enjoy the horror themes of when you have a slow zombie. Like, because yeah. it adds, I think, to, to the true horror of a storyline. I think when yeah. you have an, a monster or an enemy that is slow moving, right? Yeah. What about true. you, Casey? Yeah. Yeah. The fast zombies, for sure, just freak me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I think, I believe, in all of the eras of, like, zombie apocalypse movies, it was, you know, the slow zombies, the lumbering, the, the like, moaning sounds of the scary zombies, scary zombies. Um, and then 28 days later came out and it was terrifying because they were running, they were booking it at yeah. you. And I was like, Sprinting. what is happening? What? <laughs> this, this can't be possible. This, these were full tilt zombies that yeah. were just like, and like, mm-hmm. to be fair, like that theme song for 28 days later, if you've oh, never watched it, God. audience watch it that theme song has been on my playlist since, since the day that movie came out yeah. um because it's just what and it's what it used to be my weirdly enough my one on my running playlist because it would make <laughs> me want to run faster. yeah <laughs> it's that i'm only running on this treadmill to trade for the zombie apocalypse yeah like, that's the only reason <laughs> actually weird plug there was a while ago that i used an app called zombies run Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was basically an audio that would play, and it would play over top of your music, so you could listen to your own music while you were running. But every once in a while, it would, if you were running too slowly, it would be like the zombies are starting to catch up to you, and it would give you missions. And the further you run, because it follows your GPS, you would pick up items, and then you have to build your like your infrastructure. And so it was like a little mini game that you could play in like living in the zombie apocalypse. So weirdly enough, during the pandemic is when I downloaded <laughs> this app, and I would go running every day, do my five k, do my ten k, specifically just so that I could get items and like mm-hmm. build up this fortress to protect me from the zombie hordes yeah. like so highly recommend but uh, the beauty of it was that it would play over top of your music so that you could just have a regular run but just with the fear of being caught by zombies you know that's amazing that's probably the only way i will ever run <laughs> zombies <laughs> zombies <laughs> all right this is gonna be my favorite question i'm excited to hear what you guys want to say you get to pick your team of people that you would have from the from the only from the It's a Mimic podcast group of who your zombie survival apocalypse group is. Who would you pick and why? Oh shit! Yeah, um, three of us, huh? I mean, definitely Megan. <laughs> <laughs> you can pick anyone from the It's a podcast. But thank no. you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I think it's been decided you're the scariest of everybody on the. <laughs> I love that you guys think I'm scary enough to scare away a zombie, and I'm yeah. down, I'm down. With that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, you also want to have some fun in the po- and you know the apocalypse. So I think I'd pick both of you. Um, and then maybe one of the guys to sacrifice. Dan. Dan. Yeah. I was gonna say Dan, but I didn't want to be mean. <laughs> well, I mean that's what we're here for, right? That's what we live for. Um. No, I definitely bring over my my it's mimic ladies. I feel like we need that because yeah, yeah. I, I need that sanity. But I think that if I was to add to survival, it would definitely be Dave. Um, yeah, yeah Dave that's is, true. Dave's our hunter gatherer. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we need Dave yeah. on our team. Yeah. Um, so I'm now I'm thinking about this on the aspects of it's us three and who else do we take? That's where I'm yeah. at right now. That's uh, true. Dave's a good one. Dave's I good also one. am a hunter gatherer as well. So yeah. um, I've got that going. <laughs> So I'm, I can then, I can definitely get us some dinner, ladies. <laughs> great. I'll 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 keep up with the armaments and the battle, like you mm-hmm. know, keep up yeah. that morale. Uh, yeah. But Dan uh, would yeah. also be good at like 
helping us build a shelter. That's the thing. He's yeah. our builder, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. I feel like but I think also, everybody just bring something. Go ahead. Yeah. Because I also thought of Adam in the sense that he would he would assess every possible option that is available at the time of where we are at and give us the best possible outcome based on percentages. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's our strategist, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So shit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I would cut other than, you know, like the regular fodder, like Brad, get out of here. Just <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, fuck it. Tyler, eat. <laughs> <laughs> We have a strategist, we have a builder, we have a, like a, a survivalist. Like, mm-hmm. I think we're golden, guys. We're good. I, I think yeah. our D&D crew would be great, except for the fact that Pepsi need to come north. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. We're going to like do. somehow meet in the middle or something. <laughs> yeah. No, man. We go We go far north. We go to, we go to where the, snow, the actual snow is. Not like this fake <laughs> shit that we have, but like the real <laughs> snow. <laughs> Yeah, go to Saskatchewan. You can see the horde coming for about five hours ahead. Okay, we'll all meet there. We'll all meet there. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it, guys. All right. So the first item that we have to talk about is the zombie clot. So you'll find most of the information about zombie clot in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Um, This is certainly a fun twist on to challenge your players above and beyond just the large like horde of zombies that players will pick off one by one or use an AoE effect. This is if you were to crush a whole bunch of zombies together and they fuse to create a huge monster. It's pretty disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Just, a um, bit. <laughs> just the name zombie clot is not. <laughs> right. I instantly met, went to like blood clot and mm-hmm. yeah. it was just, it turned my stomach. But um, I don't know. Pretty cool though. Um, so it has a CR of six. So it has pretty high strength and con um, and an AC of 12 with just as not surprisingly natural armor. Um, And since it ends up being a huge size, it has a speed of 40 feet uh, and a decent pile of HP that's just over 100. So it's certainly much, much beefier than, you know, a few single zombies. It has the same damage immunities to poison as a sta- as a standard zombie, but it has six conditional immunities. So that's going to be an issue for a lot of like spell and um, more magical attacks. And it has dark vision of sixty feet. Um, so this giant clot, uh, it can understand the languages that the zombie zombies used to know but it cannot speak so i feel like that's also an interesting twist to um potentially make some guilt trips or you know build a little bit of like role playing into it as a dm (laughs) what else what else okay so as far as unique abilities it has the same ones as a standard zombie plus a few more so um it has like the undead fortitude the most, in, well, there's a few interesting ones. Uh, one being deadly stench. Um, so this is any creature that starts its turn within 10 feet of the zombie clot must make a DC 14 con save or take 2d8 
poison damage. And the poison damage will last until the start of the next, the creature's next turn. And it also can make multi-attacks. So it will make two slam attacks, which also, you know, as at lower level um, player level, it can be more damaging than you realize when there's multi-attack there. Um, so the most unique uh, ability that it has is called Flesh and Tomb. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, this has a recharge that it needs, but essentially the huge zombie clot flings a clump of itself at a creature it can see within 30 feet and the target must succeed on a DC 16 strength save or take 3d10 bludgeoning damage. And if the creature is large or smaller, so basically less than the huge size of the zombie clot, um, it becomes entombed in the dead mass of flesh. This means that the creature is restrained. It has total coverage against attacks because it's entombed in zombie flesh. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That makes so much sense. (laughs) Oh my god. But it does take 3d6 necrotic damage at the start of every turn until it's freed. So that will literally eat you away for, like, you won't last many rounds with that going on as well. Um, The dead pile of flesh that's entombed you actually then has hit points and an AC. So other, like, (laughs) other players can attack it and then... and and destroy it to free the target so it's it's got some really interesting mechanics i this is the first time i've seen a monster with the ability to kind of like splice off a hunk of itself and then it actually becomes not necessarily a dangerous attacking creature but a creature that then needs to be attacked as well and destroyed separately from the the huge monster yeah Yeah. It's like um, a worse and- gelatinous cube getting stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> it is basically like a, a flying gelatinous cube. Yeah. You know like I mean? yeah. if somebody yeah. threw a gelatinous cube at you, but it was yeah. made out of flesh. Flat- and flat- yeah. flesh. And <laughs> instead of kind of somewhat pleasant imaginative jello, it's yeah. the gore and like rotting flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this creature, this this mound will also has immunity to poison and psychic damage. So I am horrified, but also love this thing. And I'm so excited I read about it because I think it's a really interesting and disgusting thing that you could bring in from left field, essentially, during a combat, especially if the party is only fighting a giant zombie horde. And then you plop this thing in there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. I love it. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, boy. is well, this a picture of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at yeah, if you look in the book, the picture is fucking frightening. And I, the thing that like gets to me too, Casey, is like we talked a lot about giants and mm-hmm. like the fact that it can like giants technically have a higher walking speed just because of its natural stride because of how tall they are. The fact yeah. that this thing is so large that we're like that's the same concept that it has a forty foot walking speed because of how large it is is frightening because you wouldn't imagine again fast versus slow zombies in my mind this is a giant fast zombie because it yeah. can it goes faster than the average speed so this you're gonna run from this but this giant fucking ball of disgusting <laughs> is gonna be chasing you and it's going to catch you which is yeah scary as fuck 
The only person that's going to get away from this is your rogue, like, (laughs) or your monk, or what have you, right? Like, and you never actually consider ranged attacks with any type of zombie. And this one has a ranged attack on you, and it's pretty devastating if it hits. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into it because I feel like we're already talking about it. So let's get into like a bit of a conversation around these guys. Uh, Let's raise some dice. To the blood clot. 19. <laughs> Sorry, the zombie clot. <laughs> the zombie clot. <laughs> so gross. You got a 19? Yeah. Well done. Casey, what do you got? Spice is loving me. Five. Five? I am <laughs> rolling low today. <laughs> I got 11. I feel like I'm definitely the average here. So I'm, I'm down for this. I got to remember to use this dice in my next game. Yeah. I'm switching <laughs> dice. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I was told, so I've, I've recently been starting to DM a lot more, like in mm-hmm. D&D and in L5R, and I've learned that I definitely have to separate what dice I DM with versus what dice I play with, because with. <laughs> I feel like they hate you if you use them one Good way, or, like, yeah, yeah, I'm just like, oh, crap, <laughs> so I'm just learning that now, because I'm like, I'm doing both a lot more, but anyways, let's get into it, so, um, Peps, first, uh, what's a good quest idea for these guys, do you think? How would you utilize them? Um... Yeah, sort of going off of what Casey said, I think I would just have your players like fighting a horde of zombies and then this like coming around the corner, like not expecting. So they would go and, you know, there's a necromancer or whatever that's raising the dead, and blah, 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 um, your standard thing. But I don't think that they would expect this coming because you have to be a pretty high level also to like throw this at them. So. They would go off thinking like, oh, this is going to be easy. It's just a bunch of zombies. No problem. Yeah. And then like I would have like the loud footprint, you know, coming around the corner because this thing is going to be hefty, you know, so it's going to make that like sound and you would smell it, you know, first and hear it and that. So, yeah, I love the idea that it's like in the middle of your zombie horde, but it just mm-hmm. looks like a big boulder or a block at first you know what i mean and so your team like ends up winning this big battle against like these little zombies they feel like they've taken back like a like a a building or something like a safe haven that they they want to like get to right and they end up taking out this huge like horde of zombies and they just think that it's just a massive like dead tissue or like congealed grossness because like body horror within a zombie campaign is going to be very common Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden they're like getting ready they're setting up for the night and all of a sudden this thing starts to move oh yeah Yeah. right like you you give your team a moment of safety and then all of a sudden it just starts to stand up like i can only think of like um did you guys ever watch the saw movies the first one where they're they're in like the bathroom and the guy that like does everything is art is just laying dead in the room the whole time sorry spoilers for saw um, but spoilers the, for that movie that came out like 20 years. a million years ago but I, <laughs> yes. was, I was a young i was a youth when that movie came out mm-hmm. and i remember watching that movie without any spoilers and i remember watching that ending where like they feel like they got out of the room and all these things happened and all of a sudden the guy that put them in the room has been in the room the whole time and i don't know why but that blew my fucking mind and i feel <laughs> yeah. like you could do that with this thing because unless someone specifically investigates it to see if it's alive and gets close to it it's just gonna look like a massive dead bodies right mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know i feel like that would be and mm-hmm. that just bleeds right into body horror right being able to describe this massive flesh and disgustingness right yeah what yeah. about you, what are you casey how do you picture it and how would you use it um i kind of wanted to merge the the classic like plague zombie style that we see in movies and try and see if you can make it happen in a D campaign so so many zombie apocalypse shows or movies 
have like moving the horde off of a cliff into like a crater or cavern or like corralling them down and they fall off a cliff into a lake or a river. And I like the idea of that being a strategy and it epically works. The zombies all move and they all fall and crash and smash into a pile at the bottom of like a ravine. And then the players are all standing at the top like, yay, yay us. (laughs) Like, look at how good we did. And then somebody probably, yeah, probably the rogue or someone with higher perception just notices there's a little bit of movement. And it's like, ah, it's probably just a random zombie that somehow didn't get its brain smashed in the fall. And then suddenly it gets more and more and more. And then they just see this like gnarly mass like lift up and then it starts like climbing back up or something like that Mm -hmm. it doesn't have climbability but (laughs) but you know i mean i imagine it could (laughs) right i mean it's got a lot of hands it's got lots of limbs that it can use for for perching itself up that fucking thing if you look at this picture it's got a lot of arms coming out of it right and like then then we'll bleed right into body horror then like Mm -hmm. i mean We've talked quite a bit about what this thing looks like. Like it's multi-limbed, multi-decay. Like any other thoughts and ideas on how you would re like establish that body horror peps? Um, I mean, I definitely think this it's got, you know, it's it's deathly stench. So I would play with the smell of it. I mean, all zombies are gonna have that stench, but like this is so bad that it does damage. Mm-hmm. So I would like play into that as well. And just like all the limbs moving around, all the jaws on the faces, like cracking and moaning. And it can't talk, but I imagine it could still moan and make noises. And it's just this like echo of like pain and mm-hmm. sorrow coming off of these. Um, it's just like a weeping mound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just the cracking of all the bones as it moves, because, you know, it's going to like be contorting and breaking them as it goes because they're all fused together yeah um, it doesn't really have a full like its own like skeletal structure it's just mm-hmm. built its own right yeah so yeah. i feel like it's just yeah that weird cricking and cracking it's gonna be like the clickers from the last of us is what you're Ugh. gonna hear as it walks mixed in with like the thump 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 as it's yeah. running forward and the like goop of it, the flesh and you know all of yeah. that and it's gonna sound horrible <laughs> Yeah, so I, I love would, that. I would go with that. I would go with like describing the stench and the sound and that kind of stuff. Gross. <laughs> no, I agree. I love that fight because we don't talk about audio a lot when it comes mm-hmm. to like horror or like talking about things in D&D. We do a lot of visual or a lot of what it feels like or a lot of what you smell or like, but like what you hear doesn't come up a lot other than like you hear a whisper on the wind. But I feel like this is when you can really play into like that schleps across the floor or it's like, you know, audible squelching, shall we say. Yeah, (laughs) definite squelch. And I think you could play into that, especially with the flesh and tomb ability. So say you have your melee attacker, your barbarian that's just right up in there, doesn't give a shit about the stench. And it, it sees this giant mass start like raising its arm and looks like it's like you know going back to throw something but it doesn't have anything and it just hears that cracking and squishing and squelching and then it flings its arm and a hunk comes off of it and I imagine like the spray of crap 
that comes down off of the creature, it could like go all over the, the barbarian that's right next to it. And like the horror of that, you could really make it really disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> the I spray, the blood yeah. spray mm-hmm. and the rotting flesh spray. <laughs> the splat, the curse yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's true. The sound of that like chunk coming off of it and splashing into you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <Ew. laughs> These things are so gross. They are. Uh, yeah, but you kind of want to use it, don't you? <laughs> I do. They're like, I think it's just the, again, it's the idea of the fact that I can whip a part of itself at somebody. Mm-hmm. Just like, like that visual alone, I feel like would bring a, an item of body horror, right? Because you can describe when it's like peeling a piece of itself off of itself, and then like you just all of a sudden see this wad of flesh being hurled at your face. Yeah. And then, like, that, again, describing that body horror when they get hit to the other players that are standing in the room, being like, you see your friend get fucking pegged by a limb, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Or just disappear entirely under a mound of rot. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, Bob? Yeah. Bob? (laughs) Kevin, where are you? You all right? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. All right, uh, Peps, any other, like, role-playing or maybe even exploration clues that you could think of that you would use for these? Um, I think, I mean, role playing, they don't really have like minds of their own. So it's hard to, I guess, in a role play stance other than they're big and horrifying. (laughs) Um, but they can't talk, so you can't have a conversation with them. Um, it would more so just be going off of whatever has risen it. Um, exploration clues. I would like, if you're just going to find these out there if you're like going to give your players clues at all um i mean these things would leave really big really weird prints behind covered in just goop and bits of flesh and shards of bone and stuff like that so i would you know if anybody's looking and tracking and looking for you know footprints or anything like that i would describe them in that way that like they're definitely going to leave behind slug trails yeah they're definitely like they're not just gonna be dry footprints they're gonna be gross yeah i like wrote down slug trails yeah yeah. because they're just like leaving behind these giant like i feel like even they would be dragging their feet right yeah unless they're running or going after prey i feel like if they're moving they're kind of just moving in like a giant blob mass like a slug yeah and you could even have like the imprint of a face in that like dirt because yeah you know, there's probably, they're all contorted and who knows what ended up where. So there could be like a face at the bottom of it. That's just like leaving Ooh. like prints as it walks. Oh, gross. What about you, Casey? Any other thoughts? Uh, what popped in my head just now is potentially fighting this or coming across this at in in the nighttime. So if you come across a horde or you're trying to to move along in the evening when it's pitch black and you're never expecting to look up to see a giant mass like zombie creature, um, that could be really interesting to play with because you're fighting zombies on the ground and then you hear the squelching you hear the big thumps thumps but it's like how how could this possibly be a zombie zombies aren't huge in size but then you see glimpses of like limbs crushed pieces of body up high and yeah that would be interesting 
you see the like the bit of it being thrown before you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just all of a sudden there's a mass <laughs> covering somebody. <laughs> comes like slamming into your camp and mm-hmm. like by your fire. And it's like, what the heck is that? Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I think you could throw these in. Um, like you don't need a specific rhyme or reason. If there's zombies there, I think there's justification to drop this in anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The only other like added like quest idea I kind of thought of as you were talking about that, Casey, but it'd be really cool if, yeah, in the middle of the night, you got a, a blob thrown on one of your friends and like it didn't, and then it, but it didn't actually go in to attack you. You you went in and you like helped your friend kill the blob that was surrounding it and like they survived, but that's kind of like your clue that you might be coming up to one of these later on. So then you actively avoid it. So yeah. one of your team members is like, oh, I know where this came from. And so then you have a player who's actively looking for those slug trails and actively looking for like that path so that you don't run into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, any final combat ideas before I move on? Um, I mean, I would really lead into the flesh and tomb. Um, which does have a recharge, so you can only use it so many times. As lucky as you are with your dice. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But um, that 100% is probably the best feature of them. Because like Casey said, you don't get ranged attacks often. Like zombies don't use weapons unless they are given weapons. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know that they would even be able to shoot a bow if they had one, you know. Yeah. Could you imagine if someone was like still half alive inside of it and was like shooting arrows from inside of its chest? Oh god! Because <laughs> oh like because you're just restrained. Because I can imagine if it absorbed you like into uh-huh. its own self being. Because if you're yeah. restrained, you can still no. Because if you're grappled, you can still do attacks. Restrained, I don't think you can. I'm gonna. Have I to think you're that. correct. Yes. Yeah. This is this is the endless what no one can properly remember, <laughs> and every goddamn session is like, wait, <laughs> what happens when I'm restrained? What does that mean? I'm actually gonna have to look it up here just so I know. Let's give the correct info, I suppose. Yeah, so a string creature's uh, speed is zero. Attack rolls against a creature have advantage. Uh, the creature has disadvantage on dexterity state. So you can you can fight it yourself when you're being okay. okay. So so in my mind, like if your friend got absorbed into its chest, it's just it's wildly shooting arrows. And because <laughs> mm-hmm. like I feel like your attacks are gonna, I would make it that your attacks are like at disadvantage, eh? whatever. Yeah. What, like roll on a table and you accidentally arrow one of your friends in the face. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of it like throwing its bit and entombing you and then like coming back and absorbing that oh, yes. back into yeah. as well. I feel that's the goal is yeah. to like is to throw a piece of itself out at you, absorb you, and then it's like again, like schlep gelatinous cube slug itself back together, right? Yeah. With you as an attachment, it's just like keeps getting bigger and bigger, right? Ooh, we love it. Yeah. Love to see it. <laughs> Cool. I'm going to go on to another thing, which um, is equally as frightening and goes back to our conversation of magical versus non-magical zombies. This one is definitely magical in a way. So I'm going to talk about the Soul Shaker. Uh, This beauty can be found within the journey through the Radiant Citadel book. Um, And let's get ready for a ride, ladies. Uh, The Soul Shaker is a fucking frightening sight. It is basically a mob of zombie-like limbs. So unlike this one that looks like almost a humanoid, like like yours, Casey, had like almost a humanoid feature to it once it kind of schlepped itself together. This one is just a mob of limbs. So think of like a ball of hands. This is a ball of hands that just hunts down and seeks more limbs. Um, And it cannot be truly destroyed unless you destroy every limb. So even if one (laughs) limb escapes, 
it will regenerate itself in a matter of days. So uh-huh. let's get it. Yeah. So it'll describe. So let me get the stats that kind of describes how this works. So it is only a CR4, which is weird, but it's, uh, well, it's definitely a chaotic undead kind of creature with a natural armor of 13 and a speed of 20. So it does, this is a slow zombie. It's going to slowly, like, in my mind, this is just a ball of limbs. So it's kind of pulling itself across the ground, right? Uh, so it's not running after you. So this is going to be your slow zombie horror. Uh, it excels in strength, con, and weirdly enough, above average in charisma, which I'll get into, but does lack dex, intelligence, and wisdom. So as an undead creature, of course, it is resistant to necrotic damage and immune to poison, and its only language is telepathy of up to 60 feet. So this ball of hands can talk to your brain. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. But as I mentioned, this thing has charisma, and here is why. So it has to lure prey to it. As I said, it's just a ball of limbs. It's a little slow. So instead of running after you to catch you, it's going to lure you into itself. Uh, So it has an ability called Enthrall, which is basically once per day, you can cast the Guise spell, um, which is a DC save of 12. uh, 12, yep, which is... um, And then I had to look up what the Guise spell was. And basically what it is is that you just get magical command over a creature to act out a course of action or a service. So basically it's going to... Come to me. Come to me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then as mentioned, it does rebuild itself. Uh, if it has one remaining limb. So this ability is called Reconstruction. So if the Soul Shaker is reduced to zero, like its health reduced to zero, it will explode into seven smaller versions of itself. And if after six days it still has any remaining limbs, they will teleport to where it once was and reconstruct itself. Wow. Right? Yeah. (laughs) And then, so, like, and then if you're to fight it, its actions in battle is it has crushing grasp, so which is a melee attack of only a plus seven to hit with a, an average of 14 damage. But if you are a medium or small creature, which most humanoid creatures are, you are then grappled. And then on top of that, it has a bonus action called consume vitality, which is uh, basically if you are grappled, it can target you. And it's a con save of a DC 14 or take an average of seven um, necrotic damage, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a reduction to your max hit points. Oh. And you can't undo that until a long rest. And if you're reduced to zero with that ability, you auto die. Yeah. 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 And this is a CR4. What? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, because to be fair, like, uh, if you look at its hit points in its pool, it's it's not that strong. The fear uh-huh. factor of this thing is when you kill it and you think you've killed it, you have it because it'll explode yeah. into seven different limbs. Mm-hmm. And if you don't kill all seven of those limbs, or if you think you did it, or like it'll play dead and be like, oh, I'm dead, I've exploded, and I'm gone. <laughs> but it will just come back later, right? Yeah. So, but absolutely, but again, this is like that difference between we were talking about magical and non magical zombies. This is an mm-hmm. example for me of a magical zombie I don't want to be around. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that sounds horrifying Not and great. traumatizing for the the little baby players yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> all right well let's raise some dice uh to the soul shaker and uh talk about some creative uses 11 i got a 15 8 casey get your shit together maybe, maybe i look at <laughs> double digits sometimes all right well i'll talk to myself first and then you guys can go watch it so a couple first question always is you know what's a nice cool quest to use with these ones I like to think that this is a combination of all of your old dead PCs. So if you've been playing a long running campaign with your group and you have a lot of weird like legacy PCs or PCs that have died in the past, this is going to be a compilation of all those characters put together. So the limbs will have like 
the watches and stuff of like your old characters will be have like uh, the tattoos that your old monks used to have. Like you'll be mm-hmm. able to recognize these are the body limbs of your old PCs or old characters uh, that and uh, that a lich was following you around once and then put that curse on you so that you would have to like face this one day kind of thing. Or it's an embodiment of like your family was destroyed by a horde of zombies. And then that, 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 that sadness and horror ended up creating this monster that now arises every once in a while and follows you around. And you have no idea why, no matter how many times you kill it, it keeps coming back. And so eventually you decide to hunt it down, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of personal shit you can add to this one because they are legitimate limbs. It's not just a ball of goo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wow, Megan, you cut deep. Yeah, you know that, what? <laughs> that sort of reminds one of my um characters' backstories. She was a fallen Asmar, and um she went off on a mission and came back, and her entire village had been killed because somebody was looking for her. That would have been a really good thing to throw at her, as this is the body parts of her village that she once grew up in and she would like recognize that. So I think if your player has like a really tragic backstory as most of us do, um, (laughs) that would be a really fun way to um, really traumatize that player as this is, this is the body parts of their family and their town that they grew up in and uh, their friends, their teachers, like their trainers. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Start rolling sanity scores. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, <laughs> that 100%. would be horrible. <laughs> what about you, Casey? Yeah, I can spin it. A, I like the idea of linking this to potentially uh, a lich creation. You could be going into catacombs or into the depths to find a lich, and this could be just a really cruel um, trap that the lich has put in that maybe would be less of something you would expect, uh, and it could be. A compilation of all of the creatures that have tried to navigate through the catacombs or through the labyrinth. And it's just a compilation into this creature that just continues like decade after decade gets more and more and more limbs and potentially like more powerful and difficult to to get through. So you could spin it that way. Absolutely. I like the idea that it's like a, if it was to be the lich that's create like the lich created this thing as like a warning to people like near its lair and it has like four or five of these just rolling around its lair. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. it just keeps them alive. And the, the joys again, like it because if even if you destroyed it and blew up into seven limbs, even if the limbs run away, if, as long as they survive, it will go back to its old posting and regenerate itself. So yeah. it's kind of like this lich all will always have these protectors around because they will always come back to where they once were. Yeah, exactly. And it could be the similar story of recognizable like traits on limbs because it's like, oh, like so and so went in and never came out. And then during this part, it's like, oh, yeah, there is his arm. So, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, that, you, that personal like a- yeah exactly right like one of your like you you hear you go into a town and you hear a story about like this brave warrior that went to go save and like never came back and like but gives you the defining features of like this is what their armor looked like or this is <laughs> mm-hmm. the sword that they carried you know what i mean uh, yeah. and then you just go in and you get those little clue drops of like oh their sword is in this cavern that's strange they must be in this cavern somewhere and then they come up like that's an arm wearing like the like the armor of whatever the person that has their like holy symbol or something on it yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Speaking of, let's go into body horror. So as mentioned with these things, of course, they're undead. So you can use that schlepping noise. But I feel like because these ones are full on solid limbs, it's going to be hearing that like the hands hitting the ground and dragging. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, again, like feet hitting the ground and dragging itself through. Like, so it's not going to be in my mind, like the squelching of the schlepping, but more the the, the sound of uh, something dragging is like the the dragging of a shovel behind you in a horror movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're slower, right? They only move at 20 feet. So the horror is going to be that like you are being followed by something, but it never quite catches up to you. But you can hear its voice in your head because it has telepathy up to 60 feet. Yeah. But because it's the limbs of all the people that you knew or people that you don't know or just people, it's a different voice every time. Because I, I, that's how I imagine. I feel like it, yeah. as, as it grabs limbs, it's grabbing pieces of that person's soul in my or mind. Or it would be like an echoey voice of like all of them talking together. Yeah. Like, the that, like super voice. creepy, like, you know, when twins talk together in the same, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like twin ghosts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. What are we um, I would go with, like, it, it says they all have to be the same body part, correct? God, yeah. So like if it's hands, so like, for hands, it, feet, looking for feet. <laughs> it could, I mean, it could be eyes. It could be ears, you know, Ooh, like yeah. it could, you could go with some really gnarly body parts. It just all has to be the same one. So I would like if it's eyeballs and it has that like squishy sound when it rolls. Just like a, a ball of eyes. Just, just a, yeah, uh, like a massive ball of several, like just hundreds of eyes looking at you as it rolls around that would be that would be horrible but uh, like going off of like if a lich creates these it could be different like they could have seven of these and they all be different body parts because they have these bodies that they're taking the parts off of so they're all made out of the same bodies but just different parts right frightening and like i can like now because you said eyeballs now i'm imagining Uh that like a good like clue or exploration piece would be like there's just one little eyeball rolling around Uh uh-huh like like, trying to find its body you know what i mean like just like yeah you could see it like moving (laughs) yeah and you might like just decide to follow it Mm -hmm. (laughs) see where it's going see where it goes like (laughs) and just like the nerve coming off of the back of it too oh so could you imagine if you were fighting two of these in one room, you're fighting mm-hmm. the, the the bundle of hands and you're fighting a bundle of eyeballs. Yeah. I am now imagining one of your players goes down and dies at some point. And then the hand reaches in and grabs your eyeball and like throws it to the to the eyeball. Oh. To the eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> we're really good at this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I we would have one. such a fucked up campaign if we wrote one together. We should just <laughs> yeah. do it. We should all just write a, a like a horror themed zombie yeah. campaign and just do all of these things. Well, I am actually doing a Call of Cthulhu game next weekend that's going to be have zombies in it. Amazing. So <laughs> I'm like Still hoping to get some. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just uh, kill two birds with one stone and do zombies <laughs> for. <laughs> I got to research them anyways. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Casey, anything added for body horror for you? Uh, I'm like, I'm feeling nauseous right now. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I think we covered some really good ones there. I Yeah. I think you the way that we can spin this to be so personal as well is just so horrifying. I don't know. Um, the voices. I like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think the voices, like the call-outs, like what the physical hands look like, or like yeah. the, uh, the eye color. Like, could you imagine if you had like an old character that had like a weird colored eye, and like yeah. you see like this, like a like a copper colored eyeball or something like mm-hmm. that in this mask? And you're like, oh, great, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Like I almost said, <laughs> I feel like I almost automatically said, fuck you, Adam. And I think that's, <laughs> that's something that you can do. <laughs> but. Uh, but, you know, we talked quite a bit about these ones, and I feel like there's not a whole heck of a lot more. So I'll just kind of say, like, is there anything else you guys want to touch on for role-playing or exploration or even combat with these ones? I mean, the role-playing, I would definitely play around with the... These, I think you probably have the best chance of role-playing um, with yeah, any of the, the zombies because the it's got the telepathy. Yeah. Um, so I would, you know, if it does have somebody inside of it that your party used to know, like, I would play on that. And it would still have those sort of memories and call out to your player in that voice, um, especially if there was like one party member that was particularly close to it. Or like I said, with my um, backstory, like it would be the mom's voice of my character that would be calling out to it that she hasn't heard for 30 years. Yeah. And just like remembering that. So I would I would definitely play around with the voices that you hear coming out. Yeah. Of it. Well, because it has the guy's ability to lure mm-hmm. it, right? So yeah. I feel like that would be that personal touch. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that is definitely one of the things you would not expect with any sort of like zombie variant is the this is very much the magic piece. So that could be fun and unexpected yeah and i feel like inherently because these are magical like there's magic to these that i feel like they would be connected to something larger like a lich or you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> or demi lich or something deep. right i feel like it just kind of has to have that kind of piece to it how is yeah. it magical why is it magical right yeah i do think i came across one of these in a game i don't know for sure but it sounds like we were just going through the woods and there was like a ball of limbs that like rolling by and we had to <laughs> fight casually, it <laughs> yeah. Roll by. yeah so like that could even be like it's just wandering about you know it's just there and in, in the world and your party could come across it <laughs> randomly yeah. you know it's just rolling through the woods oh yeah. or like a, an indiana jones scenario where you think mm-hmm. it's a boulder that's gonna come rolling down at you but it's a ball of I do have one last question. Do we think that thing from Adam's family is one of the limbs that got away from this thing? Ooh. It's he's so sentient though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he definitely <laughs> has his own mind. I feel like I would want him to be, but not at the same time. Because I feel like yeah. he's so he would be like the the mastermind behind the rest of them. Yeah, he's like you know? the one. <laughs> he's the OG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> oh man but the thing like now like now that i now that you have to think like that in my head because the uh-huh. thing is really fast because he yeah. is agile on his fingertips right yeah but he's just one like i imagine yeah. if they're clumped together then they gotta it's that like team building thing where you all have to go in the same <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like a three-legged race like you're faster by yourself of course <laughs> of course you're faster by yourself <laughs> That's when the thing left. He's like, you guys are slowing me down. You're slowing me down. I got shit to do. I love it. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. So now we are going to talk about the zombie plague spreaders. So this is more your OG um, zombie that we think about in um, like pop culture. And these can be found also in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. 
the lore in the book is really brief and really leaves it open to the DM to use their imagination on how to use these. Um, there's like a paragraph <laughs> and like a sentence that includes these. Um, from my interpretation, this is what happens when a horde of zombies becomes infected with a disease. Already being dead, the disease wouldn't affect them, but they would still be carriers. So they would infect the land, the wildlife, and the civilizations in their path. Uh, so like I said, these are these are definitely more <laughs> of what we think of when we think of zombies in pop culture. Uh, their stats are still very low uh, with negative modifiers to intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Um, Dex is average with a plus zero, making them just a little bit faster than your base zombies. Strength is the highest, followed by con. They are resistant to necrotic damage and immune to poison damage. They're also immune to being charmed, exhausted, or poisoned. Their CR goes up to a four. They also get undead fortitude, which works the same as the base zombie. And their undead nature is now called unusual nature. Not really sure why, but <laughs> same thing, a uh, different name. Uh, they do get a new feature called viral aura, which makes any creature starting within 10 feet of the zombie make a constitution save. If failed, they are now poisoned and can't regain HP until the end of its next turn. On a success, the creature is immune to this for 24 hours. As for actions, we now have a multi-attack with two slams, which does 1d6 plus 3 bludgeoning and 2d8 necrotic on a hit. And finally, once a day, they can use virulent miasma, hopefully I said that right, uh, but releasing toxic gas in a 30-foot radius sphere centered on itself. Any creature in the area must make a con save, taking 4d6 poison on a fail, half as much on a success, and any humanoid reduced to zero HP dies and rises as a zombie. So this is where you get that. If this kills you, you are now one of them. We love that. So yeah, to yes. your point, like your classic, like what we would think of in our society mm -hmm. as like a, a zombie. This is like your non-necessarily magical one. This is a disease-based yes. one which is really yeah. cool. All right. Well, let's raise some dice to the zombie plague spreader. 12. 17. Okay, so you're going first. Yay. Oh, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's a good quest idea for these ones, do you think? Uh, okay. I, I like that these actually also might not be what players are expecting. The classic, um, if you die at their hand, you become one. Because lots of times you just don't think that that's, that's actually going to happen in D&D. &D. <laughs> um, like as for yourself. So I don't know. I think you could put these in if you want to up the challenge rating of a zombie horde. Um, I always like a AOE kind of stench or <laughs> area of effect mm -hmm. that that the players don't expect either so absolutely utilize that in yeah. in an encounter yeah i'm thrown i don't have i don't get to go first i'm out of my game <laughs> <laughs> it's all good i'm for me i kind of like the idea that these would be the center like the pinnacle of like a zombie fort so mm -hmm. as you're walking through like a town or something that is like infested with zombies, you're gonna find one of these at the center. Um, and like the the gas is just like swirling around it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then like as as soon as you get through like and the goal is 
to get rid of it because it's what's causing everything around it to become zombified and it's destroying the city from the center. Like it's just the, so your goal is to find it tied out, find out where it is and destroy it. So you can like bring peace to this area. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that old trope of destroy what's poisoning the air, destroy what's poisoning the water or what have Mm -hmm. you. Right. But um, it's going to be hard to get close to it because of its aura and its stench. And it's like, I could potentially become a zombie because if you basically, even like, so perhaps you can correct me if I'm wrong, but even if you were to die somewhere close to it, if you're within its gaseous range, you would still become a zombie or do you have to be killed by it? Because I'm imagining if you're um, fighting a horde of zombies around it and you yeah. got killed, would you still rise because you're within its gaseous area? Well, the, it says um, within thirty a 30 foot radius sphere centered on itself. So I think you would have to be within that 30 feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, still on on a failed, you still take damage of yeah. from that gas. So, but it does say a humanoid reduced to zero rises. So it could be really your um, your discretion, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it, that would be my ruling as a DM that if you died yeah. within that thirty feet by anything, like let's say mm-hmm. you're fighting another zombie across, like just fighting another zombie, but you died and it moves like thirty feet to where you are, yeah. and you're within that gaseous space and you're at zero hit points, it'll it'll bring you back up. That's my, yeah, 100%. But yeah. yeah, you could use the um the gas as more like a fog where there might be zombies just laying in wait in the fog. And as you move through it to try to get to the center, you think it looks just open and clear, but then you're walking through and on top of zombies that are going to try and grab you. Mm. That would be cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I have just like, just last weekend, um, We've in my in my online campaign, there are two players that for the past year have been one of these um, and spreading disease and raising an army of zombies across the land. Um, And just last weekend, this this storyline came to an end finally. Um, So that was a really cool and unique thing to see and experience. My character personally didn't come into much contact with them, but we're allowed to, it's in this, in this world, there's several different groups uh, and it's all on zoom. Um, Cause we're across the world there. We have like players in Germany and stuff. Um, so we're able to watch each other's sessions. So I've watched quite a bit of, of the sessions with these things. And it was really interesting to see how they worked this. And it started off very small. And the the main PC started as just a PC. And he died in a way with this book. And he was risen. And he became this undead. Um, and just seeing him get stronger and building this army and other PCs coming into it. Um, and joining him and spreading this plague they like poisoned the water that then went and destroyed everything and all these other players had to come together and there was this huge war and it was really cool and so like being able to read the this like literally as that storyline came to an end um was really cool for me because I'm like holy shit this is (laughs) this is what just happened (laughs) yeah I think that is really cool because you could like like you could just be like a sneaky undead so in my head Casey all I could hear was Acra screaming in my head (laughs) yeah imagine Acra became one of these like you're undead like now fucking lich dragonborn necromancer is now one of these yeah missed opportunity oh wait Adam, wait, don't do Adam. that. 
We don't need to be fighting this on top of her being alive. Yeah, she's in a she's in a tower somewhere still, so there's still a risk. <laughs> All right. Um, any like added body horror thoughts for these ones, other than like you know we've talked about it, gaseous, like like using a fog and things like that, and using stench a lot. Anything new that we can think of for these ones, Casey? You're first. Oh yeah, him first. <laughs> uh, Sorry, there's a dog appearance. There's been, there's been a dog sighting. Yes. The yeah. dog has woken up, so she's like, "Can we go now? <laughs> <laughs> We're not done." <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like your idea, Megan, of having it kind of as the core and creating this fog, and it could even be a village, or it could be elsewhere. It could be in a forest that you know. Suddenly, the neighboring villagers see that there's this green fog that's like encroaching and taking over the forest and they don't know why. And so playing on that for the visual and people going up to it to see what the hell is going on and adding in that stench and that creepy eeriness of fog, it's always it's always a good option. Yeah. Absolutely. They're kind of like, yeah, and I feel like you could make it to your point, Peps, with your your character storyline. Like you could make these any version of a zombie, but then one of these. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like if you, if you like comboed what we talked about today, like we like to combo what we talked about today, like in mm-hmm. our episodes. Combo in like doing the soul shaker limbs, but are also a plague spreader. Yeah. And it's just rolling around this gaseous ball of limbs. You know what I mean? That's just kind of like wherever it goes, it's it creates more zombies. Because like the other ones can't necessarily create more zombies on their own. They just mm-hmm. they can just automatically kill you. Yeah. Um, so then, but then on add on top, making them a plague spreader would just again that would bump the CR up to like really really difficult. Or again, bring on that opportunity for it to grab more limbs because like a. The Soul Shaker wants to grab more limbs that that are alive, right? So I can imagine it would drop you to zero hit points, and then as a plague spreader, you would then rise, and it would take your limbs, and it would add to itself, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and even yeah. the angle of like people go into the fog, and weeks or months later, like come walking out as a zombie. So there's like just random zombies that emerge from from the village or the town um, that nobody actually can figure out where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Or they like found out where it's coming from. So they locked down like, I don't know, the prison or they locked down the jail or they locked down like the Citadel because yeah. they know that the zombies are coming from there. And if you, and if you crouch or go get too close, you might become infected yourself. And so yeah. then it becomes your team's job to go in and clear out this Citadel so that this town can live in peace. Right. Yeah. Cool. But, I would add, I think with these, if you wanted to give your players some sort of hint um, that these are different um, and being a plague spreader, I would add like those boils and like things that we think about from the plague, you know, and, like disease. Yes. Yeah. Like I would make them look more diseased. They would have like black goo coming from their mouths and they would have like pussy boils popping off of them that like don't slow them down because they're dead, but clearly is a sign of something is even more not right with this yeah. one. Like a, the, yeah. it's like that don't touch kind of yeah. Like, yeah. body horror you would use, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. All right. Any other final thoughts on these ones for role playing, exploration clues, or any kind of combat thoughts? Any final final things to wrap this guy up? These ones are kind of like the this the 
not as obvious one to me, which I think is kind of cool because the other ones, they're very obviously different from a regular zombie. And these ones, you might, it could be incognito a bit in the zombie horde. And (laughs) I always think of Walking Dead and like the whispers. Sorry if nobody's watched that season, but where they're just in and amongst and maybe even directing the the horde in some way but they have these extra abilities that might just surprise the players in the zombie horde yeah for sure what about you peps so one thing in our campaign um as like a clue that we would get when we would come to a town if we would really look at people um they would have boils they would have a cough there would be people that looked sick i don't think that coming across one of these like if one of these went through a town it may not have actually killed everybody but it could have infected everybody and Mm -hmm. it could be a while before they actually die and rise again as a zombie so i would play with that like you come into a town and there's a mysterious illness and you don't really know why and it's do you stick around and try to help them? Do you get the fuck out of there? Uh, you know, you're going to have clerics and paladins that want to stay and help these people. And it's only a matter of time before your party starts to get infected. And, you know, you see like a boil forming on somebody's hand in your party and um, trying to figure out if there's a cure for this or if you're just screwed or that kind of thing. So I think you could really go into just the scariness of a plague and then zombies on top of that. Yeah. yeah. And then your team worrying how, how, like, how does it spread? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, is it in the air? Is it in, or if I touch them, am I infected? Right. Like yeah. in the campaign that we're playing it, which is L5R, like these diseases can be like transmitted through like touch or through like small injury. Right. Yeah. And so it's just very like, you don't touch the things that are sick. Yeah. Whereas like in, in D and D it could just be like, okay, well it's not necessarily transmitted that way, but you don't know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes an investigation process for like your clerics or for like your healers in your party to try and figure out this disease and how it's come about. And if you've never seen it before, how can we research it? Like that kind of piece, right? That's a good exploration. Yeah. That thing, right? I did have, um, I was in one stream that was based in this world. We don't normally stream them, but this one was streamed. Um, Um, and it was my first time playing a paladin. I don't typically heal anything. (laughs) Like I'm just not a good healer. Um, but I came across a sick person and I, as a paladin, my very first time healing anybody did lay on hands and it killed the person. Um, and it was like, (laughs) like automatically as I tried to magically heal it, cause it couldn't be healed by magical means because it was this magical plague um like his face sunk in and his jaw cracked and I could hear like the moanings of like his horror as he was getting more and more like it sped up the process of this and you could see my face like horrified (laughs) in the stream and I'm like I am never healing anything again (laughs) um so I think you could even like add that like there a mysterious way your players have to problem solve to try and heal this um not just your any healing magic is going to work on it yeah absolutely i'm sorry that happened to you sorry and it's on youtube and anyone can see it <laughs> <laughs> if you want to watch somebody get horribly like upset here you go yeah, this is what yeah. it is thanks uh, ray <laughs> thanks for that all right 
Well, let's move on. Let's talk about zombie, like, like swarms and shit. Swarm of zombie limbs. You know, we've covered uh, fused masses of limbs, balls of limbs. Like, why not a swarm? Why not a swarm of limbs? Swarm of limbs. Why not? Why not? <laughs> so before we get right into what this one is specifically, just to touch on swarm rules. So we do come across several types of swarms in 5e. And what that means is a swarm can occupy another creature's space, but also you can move into that creature's space because this is essentially tiny sized, amassed to become more of a medium sized monster. Um, so you can, I, I feel like there would be minimal times where you would choose to move into a swarm space because you, you would have the five foot reach and a swarm actually doesn't have reach it has to in like move into your space to attack you um but then it occurred to me maybe like if it was blocking a path through a cave or a tunnel i mean you're going to risk the attacks and attacks of opportunities but this is a time where you can actually move through an enemy's space um so that's kind of a unique thing to think about with swarms um yeah so when you're also thinking about swarms, like you think about swarms of bats, so swarms can also move through tiny spaces. So they can shrink down, move through a space much smaller than them and come out on the other side. Uh, so thinking about that in terms of swarm of limbs, it is pretty gross. <laughs> So you're going to, once again, find all of the details in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft for this zombie variant. The swarm of zombie limbs is probably one horrific swarm that I never want to see as a player. It's pretty cool, though. Uh, so like I said, the swarm itself is medium-sized, created from the severed and broken off limbs of the undead. And so it's a whole bunch of tiny undead creating this swarm it has a cr of one so you can throw this in in a lot of different scenarios uh and it could just add some flavor it's a little bit harder to kill than as like classic zombie itself it has average and below average stat block it has a low ac of 10 and not a lot of hp um, it does have a speed of 30, and here we are with an actual listed climbing speed of 30 feet, which makes sense because it's just a swarming ball of limbs. So it's just going to, you know, boop itself up the hill and, you know, <laughs> have no issue with that. Just boop what, a, itself up. what another useful like, travel word is what we're talking about today. Just boop on down the road. Boop, boop on down. Hill. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, it has plenty of damage resistances and damage immunity, same as the zombie with poison. Um, it has conditional immunities to pretty much everything. This is the most I have I have ever seen. And I guess because it's not really that necessary so like solid body or fused mass. It is a swarm of tiny limbs. Um so it doesn't then, hence, have any language and can't speak. Uh, and it has blind sight of 30 feet. 
So what blind sight means is that beyond 30 feet, it cannot see. It can only see within a 30 foot radius of itself. It's seemingly not the most difficult monster to take down if you can find a way around a lot of the um, immunities. But if you take into account the swarm ability itself, and it has multi-attack, and it has two very unique melee attack actions, it may not be as easy as you think. (laughs) So the first um, melee attack it has is called Undead Mass. This is a bludgeoning attack with plus four to hit, and essentially it swarms around the target and does 1d6 or 1d4 damage, and that actually depends on whether the swarm has been hit and lost hit points or not. So if you think you're swinging away at this mass of limbs, if you do quite a bit of damage, there's just going to be less mass to attack with. Like So that's an interesting thing that kind of scales down. Uh, The second, though, is called Grasping Limbs. Again, this is a plus four to hit. And while the swarm is around its target, the target takes 2d6 necrotic damage and must succeed on a DC 12 strength save or be restrained by the swarm. The target can retry the save at the end of each turn, but while restrained, it's taking 2d6 necrotic damage if it keeps failing. So you can be freed by um, making the save or if the swarm moves out of its space or the swarm dies. So this is kind of that thing, again, that we talked about before where it can really impede a specific target and then, you know, it's up to itself or its friends to come save it. Uh, So that makes it a little bit more challenging to defeat and maybe a little bit more unexpected. Um, But yeah, it can do uh, one, it can do both of those attacks in its turn. So it does have multi-attack. So it will do the undead mass attack and it will do the grasping limbs attack on its turn. Yeah. We hate that. They seem we so hate, simple. We hate that for us. <laughs> we hate that for everybody involved. Uh, yeah, they do seem pretty simple. So for this one, instead of doing so many questions, let's just um, kind of have a rain friend just discuss about it. So like for you folks, body horror obviously is very similar to the ones we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. It's a giant thing of limbs that are going to be crawling yeah. around, doing its thing, grabbing at you. But do you guys have any other thoughts on like any other body horror that you can use with these ones? I it might just be because I'm real fucked up, but I pictured like like it just being ears connected and like a butterfly. <laughs> oh my god! Just like we're just gonna call them like ear butterflies. Yeah, and just like fly, clap <laughs> oh, around, no. but like snap at you and like clap, yeah. like bite onto you, like right. an ear side. Yeah. <laughs> Ew! No, it's like a yeah. hand, but it flies. So it's got two ears. Because it's flap. got two ears that fly around. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's sorry. cute until I'm sorry it for that visual. <laughs> but like, so like, what was it? Alice in Wonderland has the butterflies made of pieces of toast. Uh-huh. You know, like, and that's all I can think uh-huh. of in my head is like how cute and adorable those are. And yeah. so like, I can't. It's that, but the opposite. <laughs> but frightening. But absolutely frightening. Only we could make swarm of zombie limbs cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little cute. So cute. So cute. Like just little ear butterflies. Oh gosh. I hate I my mind went to well, like swarm of rats. Like I imagine you hear that like 
like rumbling kind of like ticking sound of, you know, fingernails or like little feet moving on the ground. And that can be the sound that kind of gets louder and louder. And then through a tiny hole that's in the cave or whatever, you just see these little hands like it (laughs) or like, like thing, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just kind of merging through and then becoming this large ball that's rolling towards you of these limbs. Yeah. Or you hear them in the walls, like skittering across and then they come through like, yeah. 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 Cousin, that would also be terrifying, though, if it was just a ball of hair. I also, when she said thing, I was just like, oh, my God. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It was just like a mass of hair. Just like. Oh, gross. I do like the idea of there, like, being a small crack that you have to go through. And that makes it so there's no way to go around these. Like, you have to go through them to get to the other side. And they're just, like, crawling through it. Um, I think that would be, and even like coming down so they can be hitting different party members and not just the person in front. Yeah. Right. Dropping down on a shoulder. Mm -hmm. Cause they do have a climbing speed. So they could be, you know, way up there and coming down as your party's trying to squeeze through and you already have limited movement because you're like between two walls. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I also like that whole like Indiana Jones oh. thing where the button is inside of a rock wall that you have to put your hand in that has uh-huh. like a, just an undead swarm of like bugs or something like yeah. that. Just like yeah. comes out. Yeah. Mm. Gross. <laughs> it could be teeth too. Like it could be jaws, like an undead swarm of jaws. Uh, I don't know why, but that's worse for me. I'm yeah. not a I'm not <laughs> teeth like again, vanity bones are not my uh-huh. favorite thing about people. So I just can't even it, imagine. It would be like those little like <laughs> You know, jaw toys that are on like little feet, just like the <laughs> <laughs> little wind up guys. Gross. Just all over the floor. Just like, all over. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> all right. Oh. Well, just- <laughs> <laughs> I just got I just got in her head there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go through a couple of like awesome Op- like other opportunities for zombies because I think what we've learned today about zombies is you can basically make anything into a zombie um, mm-hmm. just get creative with it but here's a couple of ones that you can find uh, in a couple of different books uh, at first I've got the swarm of the undead snakes which you can find in the wild mount book uh, these are a CR of 2 with an AC of 14 and have a walking and swim speed of 30 um they have below average in all stats except for dex. So these are your fast and agile zombies. Uh, they have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, and are immune to all things that, are, that a regular undead would be. Um, and they have the ability to swarm, which we just talked about the swarmings, um, which is the ability to occupy other people's spaces on that whole nine yards. Uh, but they bite with a plus six to hit with a seven uh, average damage of piercing. And you also have to make a DC con of 10 uh, or take 14 average poison damage and only half on a fail. So these would be really fucking annoying. Yeah. Just get nipped at by undead snakes. You know what I mean? They're like, let's make snakes, but worse. Yeah. But that's <laughs> like you can take anything and make it worse by making it a zombie. And yeah. these these are kind of clues to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the undead boule, which is you can find in the dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, so these you come across. There's a little bit of a weird history to them in the Dungeons of the Mad Mage, which I did read a little bit about, but not too much. Uh, so don't come at me in the comments. But basically, there was a king um, that uh, 
its greatest battles were fought against the Boulets, and then after defeating it, they reanimated it to serve as its undead guardian. So when you're fighting within the dungeons of the Mad Mage, you will come across these, just kind of like strewn about in certain areas of the cavern. Um, they are a, so if, if you can't picture what they are, it's basically like a large armadillo. That's, I think it's the only way I can really describe it that digs and burrows into the ground. Um, they're a CR of five with a natural AC of 17, because again, they, they look like an armored armadillo. Um, as an undead, they jump from 95 hit points all the way up to 125. So their hit points increase when they become undead. And then they have a walking speed and a burrow speed of 40. So these are going to be your fast fucking zombies. Nice. Burrowing um, zombies just is not so yeah. like a good time. <laughs> and it does actually say in the book that if they have nothing to attack, they will just burrow into the ground. So these yeah. things are going to be hiding underground, right? Um, they have the like, same immunities that all undead have, uh, except a few cool attack abilities. They have the ability to bite, uh, which gives an average of 30 piercing damage. Um, yeah. Uh, they can jump and they can leap. Uh, they have something that's actually called the deadly leap, which it basically, ju- if it jumps at least 15 feet, uh, it can use an attack action to land on its feet in the space of another creature who must succeed on a strength or dex saving throw or be knocked prone and take bludgeoning damage. So these What's jump. The What's They're the CR on this? CR five. So like you're not you're not necessarily gonna want to fight these as a young as a youngster, you know? Like <laughs> no. <laughs> they jump and they burrow. They jump and burrow. And then if there's nothing left to fight, they just burrow yeah. underground. They're like so, zombie whack a moles. One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Light. So fucking cute. So cute. So cute. <laughs> All right. it. I know. <laughs> also in the dungeons of the Mad Beach, you can come across undead shambling mounds. Which are basically just use the stat block of a regular shambling mound, but it is now undead, so it has all the undead like capabilities. Um, but a shambling mound, if you don't know what it is, it's basically just a giant mass of plants. So this is like an undead plant that is alive. That is it's like those zombie plant. mushroom fungus things. Yeah. So if you think yeah. of the Last of Us, this is what I imagine is like this is your fungus, your spores, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing is how I would use them in play. But like um, an instance where they are, they are a CR of. Uh, Oh, where's fuck my notes? CR five again. <laughs> um, with an armor class of uh, fifteen, they're sitting at about one hundred thirty-six hit points, so very similar to the boule. Uh, but their swim and walk speed is only twenty. I like how, as a plant, they have swim speed. Great, <laughs> love that for them. Love it. Um, they're good with strength and con, uh, but are below average in everything else. Uh, but they can stealth. They're skilled in stealth. <laughs> <laughs> sneaky plants. <They're laughs> uh, their resistance to cold. Plants. Yeah, right. <laughs> On top of being undead, though, uh, with their resistance and immunities, they are also resistant to cold and fire and immune to lightning. Uh, and they have conditioned immunities such as they cannot be blinded, deafened, or exhausted. Right? Interesting. We love that about them. Yeah. yeah. I have fought shambling mounds in that are like not undead and they're yeah. they're pretty challenging so an undead one oh yeah yeah because if you have just the regular shambling amounts they have multi-attack where they can basically you know slam with their limbs but they can also engulf which is like that they can grab you and grapple you which yeah. we have we've in adam's campaign i feel like we fought many a shambling mount and i've been yeah. many a times grappled by these motherfuckers so i couldn't imagine the fact that i'm now being attacked by one that is an undead version so yeah um all right, the next one I've got is the Undead Cockatrice, which is from the Acquisitions Incorporated book. Um, so it's the same thing. It is just a regular like cockatrice, but it is undead now. Um, 
So, and it doesn't seem that scary, but then I was like, it's just a bird. And then I looked up what an actual cockatrice is. I've never fought one because I've never thought to. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but they're actually quite scary. I mean, they are only a CR of uh, like like a half. They've got a half CR. So they seem quite simple. Armor class of 11. Their hit points are only 27. They have a walking speed of 20, but a fly speed of 40. Um, and then they have uh, a bite though, that it's a plus three to hit and only has like an average damage of like three. So it's very simple piercing damage. But you have to make a DC constitution saving throw of 11 or start becoming petrified. Ooh, that's a new one. Yeah. So you could be turned to stone. So within the Acquisitions Incorporated, they used a bunch of clues, like they would walk into a room that has a bunch of like stoned cobalts, like they've been turned petrified into stone or whatever. And they have like, these two cockatrices running around kind of thing. And that's kind of like your clue that that might happen to you. Uh, <laughs> but in my head, I was like, I did not, I don't know why, but I did not think that, I guess maybe just I've never like looked up a cockatrice before, but I was like, I did not see that petrification coming. So could you imagine that like an undead one of these just running around petrifying everybody yeah yeah it's cool crazy. who would have thought right but you are technically only petrified for 24 hours so eventually you will become unpetrified but like oh. your team wouldn't know that you know what i mm-hmm. mean so i'm imagining like you're one of your team members becomes petrified it's a very like dramatic scene and you're at the end of your day of your campaign and your group continues on without you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're sitting there like those bitches left me behind those bitches <laughs> with the petrification you could use that as a way like if you were a lich or whatever to then get the limbs to create like the soul shaker or like the swarm of limbs so then your party would just like you'd wake up and not have a hand because they came and took it yeah. Ooh. Because <laughs> like we've, we've come across this before, Casey, in a previous campaign, yeah. but we found petrified characters that we were able to unpetrify, uh-huh. but they had missing limbs, yeah. not necessarily because of one of these, but or like from undead grabbing limbs, uh-huh. but because of wear and tear. They've been underground and water runs, so like their their limbs naturally just wore away. Yeah. But like this is much more horrifying because. Yeah. You, it's not that somebody will magically make that decision to unpetrify you and hopefully you can heal them. This is a, you will eventually wake up and you won't have limbs. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And then would you still have like a connection to those limbs? And then your party would have to go and find this like soul shaker or whatever to try and get your specific limb back and find like a greater restoration to reconnect you and make you whole. Oh. Can, we just, can we just say that there's somewhere around there's one of these like like limb mobs that just has the hand of Vecna in it and that's where you have to get it. You have to kill one yeah. of these to get the hand of Vecna. Yes. Yeah. That's and the eye of Vecna it. too. Is yeah. it like the eyeball yes. work? Yeah. <laughs> but you don't know which one it is. You don't know so which just, one. You have so to like slam an eyeball all of them. <laughs> Slamming eyeballs in your head, trying to figure out which one. <laughs> like, what do I see? <laughs> oh my god! Or there's just a town of people without eyes, like without missing one eye, and that's the eye that's in the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, all right. But one last time, let's raise some dice to these random zombie hordes. Nineteen. Fifteen. Five. Okay, <laughs> I had one good roll and I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peps, when would you or how would you use these in your campaign? Or would you use any of these? Um, yeah, I think that I would use them. And I think, you know, like we said, you could 
these sort of give you permission to take anything and make it um, undead. Um, the snakes, I think, are, I, I think they all give like a fun flavor to it as they all sort of move and do different things. You know, like the snakes and the shaling mound have a swim speed. The cockatrice has a flying speed, like flying undead things um, mm-hmm. that can petrify you is horrifying. Um, so I would, and a lot of people are afraid of snakes. So I think that makes it even worse. Like if you have a player that you know doesn't like snakes and you know doesn't like zombies and just combining the two of them and making it absolutely horrible, I think would be a lot of fun as a DM. <laughs> Not yeah, so much uh, as a player, but <laughs> Adam does this all the time. And I was gonna mention it when I like uh-huh. just take whatever your your player has a fear of, which mine uh-huh. unfortunately is spiders, uh-huh. and make it undead and yeah. make it a swarm. And like yeah. it's just like fuck you. Like I remember <laughs> the first day I played D with Adam, it was a table covered in spider minis. And I was like, uh-huh. what are we what am I even doing here? Like I don't want to do that. <laughs> Why like, do I talk to you? Yeah. Why are we friends? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I agree. I feel like these are these kind of bode and go into the fact that you could really take any creature and make it an undead one. Mm-hmm. Would I use a cockatrice? Yes, but I would <laughs> want to figure out why it's there. You yeah. know what I mean? So like this is like the the cockatrice in the Acquisitions Incorporated is very specific to that lore and that campaign. Mm-hmm. Like I would have to figure out the reason why it's there. I would just randomly throw it into my players and be like, here's a random undead cockatrice. No, like yeah. I feel like there's a reason why it exists. There's a reason why there's boulets here. There's a reason why. So I feel like if you're a DM and you want to use these, keep that in mind. Like it is mm-hmm. fun to make all these random, like a shambling mound. There's probably going to be undead plants everywhere. That's an easy one to place in. But these random weird animals, it's like, mm-hmm. why are they here? What is their history, right? Like that's yeah. something you really want to think about as a DM when you're plopping these into your campaign, right? I could see like a sh- an undead shambling mound being used for like a black Draco Lich, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I have to bring a dragon into it somehow. <laughs> we did it, Peps. We did it. Episode. We figured we did it. it out. <laughs> Oh man, what about you, Casey? Would you use these? Uh, yeah, I think I'm really glad we covered these because I, to be honest, didn't know about any of them mm-hmm. <laughs> until we talked about them. So I think it just gives a little bit more um, creativity for when you're building a campaign and maybe you want to integrate undead, but you don't necessarily want to just throw the zombie and zombie horde or zombie variants as everyone expects them to be at your characters, unless it's a, it's a Drake Lich, but um, <laughs> these, <laughs> these are pretty, pretty cool. I, I like them a lot. And I think, like you said, Megan, you got to use them maybe more specifically or else it might just seem a bit ridiculous, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing saying that you can't do that, but like, <laughs> you, you darn well know one character's gonna be like, this doesn't make any sense. They'd be like, mm-hmm. well, it was flown here by a yeah. pelican. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> um, all right, Peps, what's the most horrifying detail to lean into with one of these? What's your favorite one? My favorite one. Um, I really think the petrification of the cockatrice is is probably the best or the most horrifying. Uh, you know, like you said, you could use that as a way to gather limbs for your other, you know, um, soul shaker and and ball of ball of limbs and things like that. Um, so I think that would be like that would be a really good one to use. And you just walk in and there's all these statues, but they're all missing one like the left hand, you know, or 
<laughs> something like that, um, I think is probably going to be your most useful, useful way to go. Agreed. I mean, like I, the petrification again, like that's what I feel like you can use the most creative to like horrify mm-hmm. your team by like yeah. using backstories and things like that, taking their lands, leaving them behind, like all that kind of shit. But I don't know. The idea of a giant armadillo boulet scares the fuck out of me. That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And the fact that it's burrowing. So like, yeah. again, if there's nothing for it to fight or do, it's going to be burrowed. So you're going to walk into a room, not know that it's there too, but it's whackable. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're going to step on something or you're going to move or your paladin who's heavy footed is going to just get nipped in the foot. You know what I mean? And then like, yeah. or it's just going to leap out and like jump on someone. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. then you're- then I'm you're getting st- like complete tremors vibes for this. Yes, yes <laughs> absolutely. And you can use that in the exploration, right? You kind of hear like the rumblings under your feet and sometimes you just feel a slight shaking. And then all of a sudden it's like, ow, it's out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Casey? Yeah, that's what I love too. And yes, you could do that inside somewhere, but you could also do it out in nature. Like, like I'm thinking like gophers too. <laughs> you might come across the remnants of like a burrow where, where one of the boules went down into the ground, but you might not really discern what exactly it is it's like oh that's concerning what you would never expect is that it is an undead creature doing that so i think that's pretty cool yeah Um, that is true because a lot of zombies you know in the base zombie stat if there's nothing for it to do it just stands still yeah um so for it to think to dig down is um way beyond your base zombie stat yeah and i think lots of these do give um the ability to have more clues of what's happening because they're a little bit more specific, a little bit more unique, like like the statues or like the burrowing holes or things like that. Or So you kind of can drop a few more clues as the players are getting closer to that area. Yeah, I love it. Um, we talked about strategies and tactics, but do we have a single unique combat tactic that makes these alternatives different from the average zombie? What makes them feel different, Peps? I think they all have a little bit more personality than your average zombie, honestly. Um, You know, like we said, the, the, it's ability to think to burrow, to hide, you know, that is not something a base zombie would do. Um, The cockatrices, you know, ability to think to petrify them um, and, and to fly. And, you know, a base zombie is just going to walk in a straight line. So for them to be able to move in different ways, I yeah. think I would use a lot um, for for these because they can. Some of them can swim, some of them can climb, some of them can burrow, some of them can fly, and I think that is definitely a tactic you can use that you cannot use with a just base average zombie. Yeah, I think the movements and the, the different types of movement it definitely something that makes them a little bit different. Because now I just thought in my head, could you imagine your cockatrice, which can fly, grabs the small gnome character? flies away petrifies it and drops him mm-hmm. like fuck dude yeah <laughs> and like it's just what else they, they again they seem so simple and yet yeah. you just add a little bit of a little bit of that, that that fright factor to it or that grotesqueness or that body horror to them and it just makes them so much more wildly interesting because the only way to make a traditional like humanoid style zombie interesting is to throw in characters backstories like make it someone's parent make it someone's friend make it someone's something that they're connected to right Mm -hmm. and then mix in the body for these ones are frightening because they can run faster they're frightening because they can swim even though you jump into the water because everyone's first thought of when you jump when when a zombie attack is happening is go into the water because zombies can't swim Mm -hmm. okay but zombie snakes can yeah (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> you know, yeah. like, woo. but Casey, what do you think? Yeah. And I think we came full circle. It's kind of, I think we, we all generally leaned into the most horrifying is the fast ones. Like, like, you know, that's mm-hmm. what's scary when, when it's outside of your typical, what you expect the lumbering, slow, scary zombie to be that brings the horror and so all of these would bring that like imagine going even knowing that there's some sort of like snake lair that you have to go through in some swamps or you have you're forced to cross a river that is known to inhabit snakes so it's like okay fine like we just got to do this let's just except we may encounter snakes and even at the first glance when you see perhaps snakes coming up the river at you you will not think they are undead snakes and so for as a dm i think that opens up the whole thing it's like wait what other encounters could i do and just make it undead Yeah, like so, you're coming yeah. up to your, to your I, lich's tower and you're like walking yeah. through the, the river and it's just full of undead snakes. Yeah. I, I just had the idea with all these like animal and, and your shambling mounds and stuff. I think if you're going liches, these would be your druid liches that would use these versus your, your regular um, humanoid zombies. I think they yeah. would lead more into the... So I would use, I would use these with your... Um, I said it wrong the whole episode. <laughs> Oh, oh, the lichens. The, the lichens. The lichen liches. The lichen liches. The lichen liches. The lichen liches. No, the lichen liches. Absolutely. The lichen liches. You're yeah. going through the forest, and this is where you're going to find your undead shambling mounds, your undead snakes, like your undead uh-huh. like creatures, right? Your animals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, no, I hear that. That's really cool. Um, so, on a scale of one to ten braids, how would you rank these zombies as a part of the undead landscape in D and D Fifth Edition? All right, all right. So we have our regular zombie. Where would we put them? I gave them a four. A four. Four brains. Boring. Four brains. Still um, boring. Yeah, I mean, I would say four or five. Like they're average, middle of the road. Yeah. You still don't want to come up against zombies. No. You, don't, <laughs> you still want to fight them. I just find them boring. So I'm yeah. going to put yeah. a below average of salt. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. After doing all of this research and learning about all the other ones, I'm like, there are two. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> all right. The zombie clot, which was the big one made of all the other zombies. The fact that it can throw a piece at you and gelatinous cube you in the face. I'm going to give yeah. these guys a solid eight. I, yeah. Yeah. I do Agreed. not like these. And they're giant. Like, we have to they're remember giant. they're giant. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. So eight for the zombie clot. Soul Shaker. Uh, I get it. Like, it's, it's, to me, they're frightening, but not as frightening as the zombie clot itself. So I'm going to give these, like, yeah. a seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Those are the ones that could speak to you, though, right? They have the telepathy. These the are the telepathy. magical ones. I think yeah. that, what, I think that makes them a little bit scarier. Because the they're, yeah, they are um, the only ones that could really fuck with you mentally i think true. so yeah. i would i would give them a bonus point um and put them on the same is the clot for me clot and soul shaker on the same line yeah 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 i i think you guys got me all fucked up with the sanity stuff on these ones so <laughs> i i'm edging them to like a nine like Ooh, i yeah. think it would be how the dm plays it out it could just be a nasty scary more magical zombie variant that you throw at your players but when you guys have like went into detail on the horrific backstory <laughs> connections it's like fuck me i don't know 
Yeah, I, I would I would yeah. be really scared as a player to so seven recognize to, these. Seven to nine based on how <laughs> fucked up the DM is. Yeah, yeah. how <laughs> fucked up your DM is, seven to nine. <laughs> All right, uh, the zombie plague spreader. I I would give these a nine. And the only reason why nine. I would is because these are your village planners, you know? Yeah. These are the these are the core and the creation of what you are going to be fighting. Because not only is it going to create regular zombies, it can create mm-hmm. like snake zombies. It can create like horse zombies. Like, anything that is alive and that dies in its in its area is going to be zombified in my mind. So again, yeah. these are your 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 village levelers. So I would give them a solid nine. If I knew I was coming up against one of these, I'd be like, crap, I'm not just fighting this. I'm gonna fight whatever it's killed. Right. And it, yeah. I think these are harder to control. Um yeah. mm-hmm. than, than like your regular zombie. Those are being controlled by a thing. I think once it gets to the plague spreader, that I think whatever like necromancer that has created those zombies has sort of lost control of them once it gets to that level. Right. And like I imagine if these are the the generals of the the zombie army that some lich or some necromancer's making, like holy shit, that is yeah. terrifying. Because exactly they it's gonna be chaotic. It's gonna get out of control. And the lich or necromancer might not even give a shit, probably won't give a shit, but mm-hmm. it will then be <laughs> the adventuring party's problem to try and figure out how to stop it, contain it. Yeah. Very dangerous. Yeah. And this one is one of the ones that also gives that slow burn or that foreshadowing um, mm-hmm. with how we talked about it, the infection, the latent infection that shows up after long after they have moved through. Yeah. So Because you can yeah. get rid of the necromancer, but these things are beyond that at this point because it's yeah, the disease right? carrying it, not the magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I was actually going to rate them more like a little bit above average, but I think I'm convinced it's probably an eight or nine. Yeah. Um, the swarm of zombie limbs. I think it's seven for me. Yeah, I mean they're scary yeah. and I'm not a fan of them, but like I'm not if I saw it, I would just I would just kick it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta stay out of it square. <laughs> yeah, at average, I would say yeah, like four I mean, or five. Because its only attacks have to be in your square. So I think if you could just like if you're a monk with 120 feet of movement, like you can stay up another square pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> or just fly through it. Yeah, just keep running. Mm-hmm. That's all you gotta yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Um, the swarm of undead snakes. We hate them. I hate them. <laughs> we hate them. And not just because they're snakes, because they're indicative that you can make any like swarming type of creature into a, a undead yeah. swarm. And I think that's what makes me hate them more. Is that like if yeah. it's snakes, then what else is there? You know? Yeah. So. I think so, it's on the scale of the um, sort of undead animals that we got into, I think they're probably one of the lower ones for me, though. Um, so I would put them at maybe a six. Yeah. As, as snakes stand alone, I would, yeah, give it about a five, give it about a five or six. I keep it in the uh-huh. middle. But if yeah. you threw, like, spiders at me, I'd be like, okay, that's a salt ten. All right. Um, Casey, where would you put them? Uh, below average. I'm not that well i'm not scared of snakes so maybe that influences my yeah. decision <laughs> they will be maybe slightly above a regular zombie just because of that swim speed but yeah three or four okay for me um the undead boulet is that boulet boulet this is my first boulet. time saying that word <laughs> i googled it because i didn't really know i was yeah. like what boulet no it's boulet. Boulet. all right yeah. the undead boulet 
right? I, I don't know. I think those, def- I mean, definitely above the snakes with the, the whack-a-mole sort of feature. Yeah. Uh, so I don't maybe seven for me. I was going to, I was going to do six. Cause then it's kind of yeah. like, cause I did five for snakes or like, like, so I feel like it'd be like a six for, for me, just cause I don't mm-hmm. think it's as scary as a, as a, as a clot or a shaker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting these around a seven. I think they're quite a bit more dangerous and challenging than the undead snakes. Just with that like armor, I believe if I remember correctly, they had quite a higher AC than like many other things that you would fight that are undead that we talked about. So they also had like the 30, I think it was an average of 30 piercing damage with it's like, yeah, that was was rough. Yeah. I, the undead shambling mound. Grappling trees, that's a 10 for me. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. Full stop. We know Would you love the grappling. Would above the boule? Uh, no, for me, they're like a five. Yeah, I think they'd be on uh, snake level for me. Good for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the undead cockatrees. That's like a nine for me, man. Yeah. A yeah. bird that can petrify you and then it's undead and all of these things that can fly. And just like, there's a, there's so much you can do with them. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. My mind went to um, whichever Jurassic Park or Jurassic World that was where they oh. ended up in the giant cage of the, <laughs> of the flying birds. And oh my God, I can't remember the name. What are the names? Uh, well, anyway. But imagine if they were stuck in there and you walked in and you were in a giant cage of undead cockatrice. <laughs> it's like they, it was their enclosure at yeah. one point yeah. and you just walked into their enclosure or whatever. They're, oh my God. Yeah. It's I, like the liches. It took me a minute too. Sorry, the pterodactyls. <laughs> that's what they're, that's what you're Pterodactyls, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ew. Yes, uh, nine for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like flying undead birds is what I'm getting mm-hmm. from this from you ladies. You know, I just generally don't like things that can fly at me. Just like any, like I've been to butterfly houses and everybody else is very chill and I'm like flinching. <laughs> like I just don't like things that can fly at me. <laughs> I went to like one of those bird sanctuaries and I'm the same. As soon as one yeah. moves, when it's too close to me, it freaks mm-hmm. me right out. Yeah, like, I'm not like, I'm not a fan. It, it just moves too fast and at my face and I'm not a fan. <laughs> Good to know, Peps. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so don't put flying uh, zombie ears at me, please. <laughs> I'm going to make you a flying zombie ear like sculpture or something. For you. <laughs> yeah, that's an that's an art a uh, fan art opportunity right there. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine doing like a cat, like do a cast with someone's hand and then a cast mm-hmm. with someone's ears and like to make it look like super realistic. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, somebody draw that and put it on Reddit for us. Someone fan <laughs> art that for us. Thank you. And then we'll write up the stat block and then make tons of money off of it. Thank you. Yes. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now it's time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on Undead and D&D 5th edition. Stay tuned next month when we rise up to haunt you again with even more terrors from beyond the grave, mummies. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash It's a Mimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get.
Boom. Amazing. Phenomenal. Love it. I am inspired and sick to my stomach for the rest of the day. <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? I have so many freaking ideas for like even just my L5R campaign from these that I want to like. No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about it, Casey, but like it seems so great. Yeah, so I get it. Yeah. They're good. I'm excited to use some of these next week in my Cthulhu game. Yeah. Yes. You got to keep us posted on that because that is <laughs> exciting. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Do they have like undead like this, like Call of Cthulhu, like as as per like mechanic written, or do you pull from other? Mechanics? Um, yeah, in the Keeper Handbook, there are like zombies and stuff in there, mm-hmm. uh, which I very briefly read. <laughs> Need to Great. do more. Pro- um, a lot of my Cthulhu games, I've like made up the monsters, so just sort of whatever. <laughs> so I'll so get your winging DM. <laughs> I'm just winging it. I'm winging it. Um. So uh, some of this will probably show up. <laughs> Love that. Great. Very fun. Cool. I'm going to stop the recording. Um, the most, in- well, there's a few interesting ones. So one being stealthy stench. No. <laughs> what am I reading? <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> That's like silent but deadly. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <New> <laughs> so I'm calling it now. Stealthy oh stench. Stealthy stench. <laughs> Kills me. Kills me. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's not been enough coffee this morning. <laughs> burp, burp. There we go.